Welcome to the Enlightened Musician Podcast, a podcast all about the music business and learning how to turn your art into an equally successful business, flipping the mentality of a starving artist into a profitable, sustainable career. Each week, we will interview someone that is excelling in their field and talk tips and tricks on how you can implement that for yourself. Because honestly, how can you know what you don't know until you've been enlightened? Welcome to another episode of the Enlightened Musician Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Light, and today we have Jerome Arab. He is a Zimbabwean rapper, singer, and songwriter whose music is driven by Afrobeats, trap, soul, house, dance, house, and hip-hop. His music has charted internationally on the Beatboard EDM charts, and he has been played in over 40 countries. He's collaborated and shared the stage with people such as Raekwon 112, J.P. Cooper, and so many more. On this episode, we're going to talk about his stint on the show Big Brother Africa, Navigating the Industry and learning the type of people to surround yourself with in this industry, as well as touring. And seriously, you guys, this is going to be such a great episode because one thing I do love about Jerome is that he gets very real about the industry and the different things that you're going to go through in this industry. So I just love that. And the more we talk, I just felt like I was talking to an old friend. So this is going to be great. Uh, Let's just hop into it. All right, everybody. I am so excited today to bring on someone new. Jerome, thank you so much for coming and interviewing with us. Pleasure. So good to have you. <laughs> so um, you actually sent me um, some of your music and oh my goodness, it is so incredible, you guys. Um, I'm going to put the link in the bio, but just uh, the textures and music and your voice is just like just crisp buttery. Love, love it. You'll have to check it out. But a lot of people on the podcast don't know who you are yet. So I like to start everything out. If you could just kind of tell us where you're from and how you got to where you are in music right now. So just like your backstory, anything you want to tell us? Cool, cool. Um, So yeah, my name's Jerome Arab. I'm a singer songwriter from Zimbabwe. Uh, born and raised in Zimbabwe, pretty much. I started singing at a young age. My dad would sing in his bedroom and that's how I like found music, you know. I'd go and sing along while he was playing his guitar. And that led to me opening for his best friend. His best friend had a band. They're called the Rusiki Brothers. And they're like the top of the pops. Um, and I'd open with my cousin singing Michael Jackson covers, like Jackson 5 covers. So that's kind of how I started singing. Um, and then my dad done a, a show, um, a theater show, Motown, the theater show in Zim. And I got to rehearse with him because he needed someone to sing like the Michael Jackson part so he could do the backing. So I, <laughs> yeah, so I pretty much learned a lot about songs at the age of like five, six, seven. And then my sisters, when I was about seven, eight, they would make me write down lyrics. Like, you know how, I don't know if you remember, I don't know which generation you're from, but we used to have to listen to radio and like we'd record tracks yeah yeah? and then you'd play those tracks on on your cassette you'd like rewind like play write down the lyrics play and then you kind of have your little book full of like lyrics it was so hard too because you couldn't tell when it was actually going to come onto the radio so you had to like really listen and jump on it so I know exactly what you're talking about I did the same thing (laughs) yeah so pretty much yeah that gave me a songwriting base I didn't realize I was learning songwriting by doing that I just I do it because you want to know the lyrics to your favorite songs, you know, and my sisters, they would pay me to write the lyrics to the songs so that they didn't have to. So I'd like, yeah, cool. Ah, easy money. (laughs) So, yeah. So that was like songwriting. Um, And then by 11, I was kind of writing songs and writing scripts because I was in theater as well. 
um, yeah, really taken by theatre. Theatre kind of drove my life um, for a good five, six years. Um, and then when I moved to England um, in 2008, um, that was the first time I actually laid vocals on my one of my own tracks um, in Manchester. And we recorded a studio um, at a college studio called Abraham Moss. It was quite an experience. I was singing in the park, some guy... Um, his name's Adil since he's an MC. He approached me. He's like, oh, you sing? I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm new here. He's like, oh, cool. Um, do you have any beats? I was like, nah, what's that? He's like, okay, cool. I'll get you some beats. You could write to them. And then the studio costs like five pounds an hour. You know, we should go go to the studio. And I was like, okay, cool. So I pretty much like saved like 10, 15 pounds. Got to the studio. I was 17 at the time. Just moved to England. And recorded my first track in like three hours. It's poor. It's it's called Number One. People can find it on YouTube. Um, I went by the name Jerome or JJ, so it's not under Jerome Arab. Oh, <laughs> tracks here, you guys. <laughs> so that was the, yeah the first song I ever recorded. Um, and then I don't know what happened from there. It just like became a thing. Like one person hears you singing, and then you end up like recording on their tracks and. You know, college students, they're like, oh, man, I need a vocalist. Do you mind? And I'm like, oh, easy. At least I get my own songs. I knew nothing about the business. I was just making music, you know, for a good, like, I don't know, 10 years it felt like. Well, so that's 2008 to to about 2000, I'd say, 14. I was just making music, you know. Didn't matter what was happening. I was just putting out stuff um, with different people. And... I look back at that catalog and I'm like, oh my gosh, I missed out on so much money. But <laughs> yeah, it, it it I felt like it was growth. You know, I learned so much oh, yeah. and I got to collaborate with so many people. Um, had a track end up um, doing really well because it was um, my vocals were on a track called Party Up, which was by DJ Mark One, um, who's a platinum selling DJ. And that was released off a label in Sweden and made it into the top 10 people charts for like three weeks in a row. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much ended up releasing off an Italian label, a Netherlands label, UK, um, Sweden again, US, pretty much like just, yeah, became international in the EDM scene. Um, but I wasn't seeing any money for it because obviously I was going about the business wrong. And then mm-hmm. went back to the drawing board, decided, okay, who am I? What do I want to do? And started again from scratch. This is after kind of having a successful career. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like that's such a life lived in uh, such a small amount of time. But um, <laughs> I'm waiting on that. I did a lot of things when I was first starting out in the music career that was like, wow, I could have actually made money at that if I would have known what I was doing. Um, but you said you went to college. Did you actually go for film? Or did you go for music? Film, TV and film. I studied, yeah, um, TV and film. And then after that went on, when I got back to Africa. So I was homeless in Manchester after college for three and a half years. Um, that's a whole uh-huh. other story. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> homeless, like pretty much doing whatever job I could to survive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Still kind of well, recording. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... It, it, Paperwork went bad. Um, so when I moved to Manchester, um, I'd moved from Zimbabwe. And Zimbabwe was going through a really bad economic, like 
like the whole economy crashed. So my dad was like, you guys need to get out of here. Your mom's Portuguese. So let's, let's see how we could work you guys getting into England. We got to England. I thought, oh, wow, this is it. Ha <laughs> ha. I've made it. Um, yeah. Pretty much in college, uh, my papers got, um, I'd say, rejected or whatever. But the home office never really sent them back. My papers went missing. So I have no passport and I don't know how to go about it because with no passport, no identification, it's impossible to do anything. Can't get a job, can't get a house. Um, pretty much, yeah, you can't, can't live, you know, with no paperwork. So tried to contact him a few times, got tired of it, ended up just coasting, sleeping on different couches, um, doing odd jobs making a little bit of money so that I could pay for recording sessions, recording, as I say, I slept on studio floors, but it opened my eyes. It gave me a different perspective of life. You know, it helped me with the writing as well. You know, they, they say the best writers um, actually experience life. They go into the world and they live. And I didn't understand that statement until I lived, you know? <laughs> so yeah, so pretty much, yeah, that's that's kind of like how all of that ended up working to my advantage, may I say, is I, I I made more connections because I was a person just reaching out to people. You know, I wasn't an artist trying to put themselves out there and convince people to listen. I was just like, hey, I'm homeless. Um, can I sleep on your couch? Oh, yeah, cool. Oh, so what do you do? I make music. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So let's talk about this. You said you weren't doing it right. What was the turning point where you started kind of getting that business aspect and going like, okay, maybe we got to change something up, something up. What, what was that turning point and how is that readjusted now? My partner, my current partner, soon to be my wife. Um, she, yeah, she basically was doing her, her thing. She's a folk musician from the UK, but she'd come to Zambia um, because she's half Zambian, half Scottish. And I was in Zambia at the time. I'd moved from Zimbabwe to Zambia because my mom and dad had moved as well to be with her mom and them. So somehow our paths crossed and she was like, oh, cool, you've got a name for yourself because I was in this show called Big Brother Africa. Uh, I was a finalist in that. And So let's pause. For, what is that? <laughs> Big Brother. What is oh, Big Brother. Oh. Big yeah. Brother. Yeah, Big Brother you Africa. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I'll continue that. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> so Sorry, pretty like, much. <laughs> what what show was that? <laughs> yeah. Now, Big Brother Africa. Um, I was a finalist. I was in the top five out of like 20-something housemates. Um, and it kind of made me a, like a celebrity on the continent. Um, okay, not kind of. It made me a celebrity on the continent. That's crazy. Yeah. That, yeah. that one just shook me because I've like, as I was telling you earlier, I've been like sneaking and figuring out different the stuff to ask you. And I missed that one. Missed that one. So we'll have to talk about that one uh, in yeah. a second. We'll so, come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much um, I'm in Zambia. I'm recording with a few different artists because Zimbabwean artists were not eager to work with me after I came out the house. People th kind of um, have this thing like, oh, you've come into our space to take over what we're doing, you know. Um, that's how people look at it. And I was like, no, I want to collaborate. That's what I would like to do. And it's like, well, we've worked for this, so you're going to have to work for it as well. Now you think you're a star? That's like kind of the energies I was dealing oh. with. Um, so I closed this, the door on my, my home country, um, even after I felt like I had contributed so much to it, you know. I was like, no entitlement, no pride. 
close that door. If you want to move, you're going to have to move. And my grandmother said to me, you've tried. You've done everything in your power to make it work out here. It's not working. She says, go and look. I went to South Africa. I realized South Africa is a different ball game. They're not willing to let people in. If you're staying, they might collaborate with you if you're visiting. But again, if you're staying, it's like you're not South African. So I was like, wow, I'm struggling. With, and this is industry. I'm not talking about people, hey? Don't get it twisted. Like artists, don't get it twisted. Artists are quite welcoming. But the industry gatekeepers or the industry in itself, the people, it's very hard to communicate that. Zambia was more welcoming. Um, I think it's, it's it's younger. You know, it hasn't, it hadn't, it hadn't been, like, it hadn't had that level of success like South Africa is already established. It's like, what are you doing? You're trying to jump on our bandwagon. You know, Zimbabwe had been and gone and Zambia was growing. So I was like, oh, I can be part of this market, you know. Um, ended up recording with a guy called James Sakala. Um, despite all the other artists I worked with, this one guy, James Sakala, is he's just this amazing folk artist. And that's how I met my missus, as I said. So oh, yeah. he was like, we were recording a video for, for one of our songs for, and he was like, oh, she was recording in the same premises, you know, with the same media company. He was like, Namvula, Jerome, Jerome Namvula. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Nice to meet you. Whatever. Being the star at the time, I, I had no friends. I went through a depressive state. I had zero friends. I believed everyone only wanted to know me for the fame. It's like mm. that guy from Big Brother Africa. I want to, I want to be seen with him. I want to be in the same circles with him. And as soon as art, like certain artists, as soon as they were bigger than you, you seen the friendship fizzle away. And I was like, ah, oh, man, it just made me a better judge of character. To be honest with you, you know, I mean, there's big artists. Um, I should be able to mention their names, but I'm not that guy. <laughs> I mean, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. But pretty much, there's a few There's a few people that I thought were my friends. And if you look in 2015, 2016, mm -hmm. they were all over. Like, wherever was Jerome, come through, Jerome. Ah, pictures, uploading, doing skits with me, and kind of, like, incorporate, like, incorporating me into their scene. As soon as Big Brother, all that fame and stuff fizzled away, that's when you see the real character. And I was like, okay, I've I've made a mistake because I, I judged that wrong. I thought it was genuine, but it wasn't, you know? And then there were people that watched me and kind of embraced me and became family, you know? So I, I've, I've got like two different chains where I thought I thought my wife was just like, she, she, she probably knows who I am. She's just trying to, she's trying to get to know me. Well, whatever. And I kind of yeah. ignored her at that time. And then she hit me up when she was coming to Zim. I ignored her then. And then, <laughs> no lie. And then I, I ended up, that. yeah, I ended up in Zambia and I was like out with a friend. Um, one of the fake friends. I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, what came from that was this beautiful woman dancing quite tipsy i must say i've never really thought i was like yeah you dr you were you were drunk weren't you <laughs> but, yeah. so I, I walked up to her and i said i apologize like i said i would like to apologize for not entertaining you at the time i was just I, I was going through a lot you know 
um, I never mentioned it. I was going through a lot of depression and a whole lot of just dealing with how other housemates were doing so well and how my country had rejected me, even though I was representing my country. So she kind of was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. I was like, oh, let me take you on a date. Our first date we went on, um, she actually invited her ex. So it was, yeah, it was It's just a really awkward thing. Yeah, yeah. But look at me now. She changed, she changed everything. She changed the game for me, man. Namvula opened my eyes. We ended up going on tour, on a Southern African tour, and she got funding for it. You know, I've, I've never, ever experienced the funding thing. Uh, yeah. Where you apply and you get grants, and that's what she does that really well. You know, she speaks the language. And that's how she pretty much had shaped her career up to a certain point, you know. And now she's kind of doing it and making it work. But So she was like, I'm going on tour. I've got this funding. Can you open for me? You know, let's use your name to attract a, a different kind of audience. You know, your name, my name, let's see how it works. Yeah, we ended up spending a lot of time together. Two kids now, later, five years later. I love it. And that's like two different genres a little bit too. That was kind of an interesting combination, but I do like the fact, and I do want to point out to people, cause I've experienced the same thing that you have in different dynamics that the people that you rise up with, you really have to have that inner like gut feeling of the right people and the wrong people that are just trying to ride until they need to get off and the people that actually want to go to the top with you. So I think that's a very good thing to point out for anyone listening as well. It's just like really know who you're surrounding yourself with and make sure they're the right people. And I'm glad that now your partner is going to be that person too. And it's so funny. Some of those people that should be like the ride or die kind of thing, you just kind of like, nah, like I've been gypped by a lot of people. So I'm not about it, but I'm glad she kept coming back. It was like the yeah. universe trying to put her back there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I love that. So let's talk about touring a little bit more because I would yeah. love to talk about that. So you said you did that with uh, her. Yeah. What kind of other things that's been So that was there? in 2016. We ended up going to Namibia, Zimbabwe, and obviously because we're based in Zambia, we've done a show in Zambia. So it was like three countries. Um, and then 2017, I was like, okay, um, I'm struggling to produce music because no producers were working with me anymore for free. They're like, you were happening in 2014. You're not happening now. I was like, wow, okay. Okay. So I called up a few friends and, oh, no, I'm busy. I'm busy. Oh, no. Uh, even the great James Akala kind of ditched me. So I was like, whew, what do I do? Called up the band, gave them the progressions, um, a few of my band members, got them to play it in, and I produced Learning Love. Um my first EP, um, so a self-produced recording on my laptop at home. And, you know, that led to the touring, basically. So I was like, I'm going to tour this. And she was like, how? You've got no money. And I was like, I'll pay you back. You got money. <laughs> I want a thousand pounds and I'll pay you back your thousand pounds. But I'll make that thousand pounds work. But the thousand pounds, um, which would have been the equivalent of about a thousand five hundred dollars, it basically helped me produce the EP, um, paying the musicians and stuff. You know, logistics, food. It made it helped me pay for a certain amount of tickets um, to to go from one place to the next, like from Zimbabwe, from Zambia to Zimbabwe and Zimbabwe to Botswana, but we never had the money to go from Botswana to Namibia and Namibia home. So I basically 
put aside about a hundred pounds and I printed CDs and I partnered with another artist called just Eddie and we printed CDs and we done uh, posters and we had a campaign that we put together to invite people to come and listen to the EP, like a listening session, which led to a show. The show was sold out. We, we, we didn't get paid much. We also got paid about $200 for it um, after we paid the band. And that 200 we put in the kitty to say, fine, we're going to go around Southern Africa. It was a four country. I was trying to do five countries, but it was like a four country tour. Um, and Eddie was like, how are we going to do this? I was like, I got this. Don't worry. We're going to work it. Went from one space, pretty much made that $200, went to Zimbabwe. Nobody came through in Zimbabwe because the economy was still bad and they don't support their boy. I don't know why. Anyway. <laughs> Sometimes hometowns are like that. I kind of have that same issue sometimes too. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway. But yeah. <laughs> from there, I, I was a bit now, I was scared. I'm not going to lie. At that point, I was like, oh, what am I going to do? You know? So I kind of messaged my dad and he was like, oh, the rent money has just come in. It's gone into your account. You can withdraw $200 from that and you can use that. And I was like, okay, cool. $200 should get me from Botswana to Namibia at least, you know? Um, we had kind of planned to stay at friends' houses. Botswana, a girl called Mpo Sabina, she's an amazing artist. She hit me up. She was like, I've got this company. We're doing this show. We want you to headline and we can partner. So while you're touring, you just do the show and we'll market it for you. And, you know, we'll split some of the, the money at the end. I was like, perfect. Okay. <laughs> so she actually housed us, um, Eddie and I, just Eddie and I. And we were like, cool. Got there. She picked us up. You know, we rested. We ended up doing radio shows, radio show, radio show. The next day was the show. It was I think the venue was about 50 people. That's what it could hold. We had about 80-something people turn up. I was like, wow, this is cool. Like, people have come to see us? Like, wow. And everyone was like, now, we heard you guys on radio. And we're like, that's it. We need to go and see these guys. And I was like, man, Eddie done his acoustic set. I done an acoustic set with Eddie, and he backed me. I backed him. Next thing you know... It was time to leave Botswana. We were like, we don't want to go. Yeah. Ended up going to Namibia. And I stayed at a friend's house, but he, not even a house. He was living at a theater, in a one bedroom at a theater. And he had a mattress on the floor, basically, that Eddie and I could share. So we're just like, cool. And we're in Namibia for a week. So for a week, we were sleeping on this floor, like sharing, like pretty much sharing the floor. Um, there's actually images online. I, I'll, I'll try and pull them up and post them. Please. Yeah, I'll <laughs> yeah. put that in the show notes so you guys can see. But pretty much, yeah, that's like that's how we made it happen. The show, the first show in Namibia flopped. Second show was packed. Um, third show was cool. You know, it was decent. Um, and we never made much from it, but we made enough to look after ourselves while we're in Namibia and just about enough to get back to Zambia. Um, so I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to pay Namvula back from that. Um, the tour did not make any money. We, we didn't even break even, you know, if anything, I ran at a loss, but, um, I managed to pay her back pretty much a few months later when I was kind of doing odd jobs here and there. Um, and that's kind of how it worked out. 
that was the first touring experience and I promised I would never tour like that again. But <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, busing. No. Nah. <laughs> no, I think everyone's first tour experience is always a nightmare. And I think you have to go in knowing this is going to be a loss. Like they like <laughs> if you if not like man, you're in a different stage of life than I guess me or you were. <laughs> like you just have to know that, but and then that's cool. Like then talking about even with your wife and stuff and getting the grant money and like just figuring out different ways of maneuvering that route and touring correctly. Yeah. I love that. Um, I was reading too. So let's see. I'm like loving uh, some of the people that you've actually uh, worked with as well. So we haven't talked about the studio very much. Have you worked with anybody that makes you really excited or any projects recently that's coming up that you're really excited about? Funny enough. Um, it's odd. Like I'm really excited about what I'm working on right now because I'm releasing a track a week for the whole year. That's what I'm trying to do. You know, even if I do it for six months, I'm happy. You know, it's just trying to build the catalog and trying to develop my vocals to a point where I can start to work on the second album, but not also stray away from output. You know, I think a lot of people take time and work behind the scenes. This is me trying to work in front of the scenes, you know, and show people that this is kind of, it's the growth, it's the process, this is what's happening. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Artists I've worked with that I can say I'm excited about or have James, as I say, I always mention James Sakala, um, just Eddie as well. Two of the most talented, they Zambian boys, but two of the most talented men I've ever met, you know, um, in terms of their writing, their production, just play vocal placement. Um, and then if I wanted to really dive into it and look at it, I enjoyed a lot of the EDM stuff I'd done in terms of the fun realm of things. Like it wasn't serious. You know, there was no vocal placement and, oh, how are you singing this? It was like, oh, well, I'm rapping on this. And it kind of opened up the door to a whole new um, world for me. And that led to me working with a guy called St. Louis, um, also known as Chivat. He's um, mm -hmm. done live shows for people like Chris Brown, Stormzy, Skepta, um, but he's also a really good producer. He's co-produced stuff with Cool and Dre in, in the States, you know. So, yeah, he's, he's really cool. Um, and he just kind of, he started to, he's a friend of mine. We're actually in class together. And he, he hit me up and he was like, hey, Jay, I see what you're doing. Do you mind us, like, trying some stuff out? And he's kind of got me on, like, on a roll in terms of exec-wise, thinking like a business person, you know. He's like, yeah. You need to be registering your catalog well, you know, like make sure everything's registered correctly. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, hey, get your PPL, your PRS, you know, your BMI. Make sure you get all of that in order. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And he's like, no, 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 get it in order, you know. And it, it, it just like he was a friend and a brother. And I think that's what we need in, in the industry is we need more people that will give us the notes that the, the industry won't give you. You know, the, the industry will wait for you as an artist to get to a certain point before they even acknowledge you. And then when they acknowledge you, they, they're trying to just manipulate and, and make money off you. And no one really says, do you have this in place? Nah. So I was lucky. And that was a big collaboration for me. And in terms of engineers, two of the biggest engineers for me on the continent that I've been so lucky to work with 
um, a guy named Paul Cruz that's done stuff for Diamond Platinum and Ali Kiba and all sorts in, in East Africa. But he's based in Zambia. He's an amazing engineer. And he helped me with learning love um, and learning life. You know, and he's also a producer. He kind of lets me arrange and he'll be like, yeah, I've got this idea, but you arrange. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Um, and then last but not least, who has really moved my career and been the backbone to my production is a guy called Frank Zigambo from Indola. This man has seen me at my worst. He's seen me at my best. And whenever I've needed a leg up, he's never, ever questioned it. He's mixed, I would say, 80 to 90% of the work I've put out since 2016. And he's not... Like he's never ever turned around and been like, oh, yo, got bitter about anything. He's just like, yo, what's the next step? What are we working on? And I guess I've been lucky enough, and I was saying this to the wife, I haven't really collaborated with artists. I've been collaborating with producers, you know, and that's how I view it is it's a collaboration. Most people are like, oh, you get a, for me, it's a collaboration. Um, and I just think artists have this thing where, if you are certain, like if you feel inferior to a certain artist in terms of vocal ability or um, even in terms of the pen, if you feel challenged, you're less likely to to work with them. And I feel a lot of artists on the continent, big and small, pe- people don't 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 see the back end. And I don't talk about it out front because if I if I did do so, I think it would undermine other people. And it's almost like you're taking shots. But the truth is, a lot of big people on the continent that have tried to work with me have failed because of the fear of being outdone. And that for me is like, that's the industry we are in is some people look to the challenge and some people back away from it, you know, and you just have to be able to understand. And I say this very like in hindsight, how to approach these things, you know, because the right collaboration, yes, it can boost your career, but if, that's that person's audience and it happens too soon in your career, it could also take away from it. You know, it could be, oh, I don't know that person. They just done that. Oh, oh, who? Because they always remember the big artists. So I'm lucky that a lot of people shied away from working with me at a certain point. Um, And it made me develop genuine relationships, you know, and also when you stop happening, people stop paying attention. It gives you, I think, a bit of leeway to actually work on what you love. Yeah. And I do want to talk about that too. Cause you were talking about a song a week. Yeah. What, what are a lot of these songs about? Cause I know you talked about like experiencing life and like that actually puts into the word. So obviously if you're doing a song a week, there's a lot being like spit up, like some really good stuff. So I'm like, I'm excited. What what's some of the stuff that's kind of going to be coming out and side note, if you're releasing something a week and I saw some of the like graphic design and like your music videos, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be so much good content. So <laughs> Yeah, let's let's talk about it. I really want to hear about these. So, yeah, I realized I think that everything is system. You know, it's do you have a formula for what you're doing? Um, and then can you test the formula? Um, and the way to test it is by output, really. You know, so you say content-wise, I sit down every two or three months and I try and make sure that I know what I'm going to do for the next three, four months. You know? Perfect. So I'm yeah I'm usually ahead of myself. I feel like I just had my, my my second born, so things have been manic, and I haven't been able to put my head down. But I'm actually in the studio mindset for or mind frame for for this week, 
and I'll try and write 10 to 15 tracks whenever I, I, I have a week, like where I'm like, okay, I'm working on music, two tracks a day, three tracks a day, try and at least put the lyrical content down and have the structure in my head of what, what it is I'm trying to say. And I'll, I think the easiest part about songwriting, and this is where a lot of people miss it, is ask yourself, what is the point of the song? If you know what the point of the song is, it, it, it could actually write itself, you know, and don't dwell on something that isn't working. Um, it's good to be a perfectionist, but also know when, when, a, when a song is telling you it's not yet ready to be created and step away from it and move on to the next one. So I've, when I say I've got a lot to say, <laughs> like, you, it's not even that. I think there's a lot of stories to tell, you know. Okay. I could have a, Yeah, I could have a conversation with you now about your life. I could ask you, hey, so what's going on in your love life right now? And we could cut, cut, cut that conversation up. And what tends to happen is a song will appear or an album, who knows, you know, mm -hmm. and that's how you just, you run or you work with. And another thing is don't be afraid to not achieve the goals that you have set out, you know, because that just means you're, you're stuck in that mindset. It's like, okay, this is what I want to do and just go and do it. Yeah. No, I love that. And I love that you've been talking about even the industry too. And I think a lot of the listeners here are artists themselves and the industry is a very complicated and hard thing. And a lot of times it feels like you're, is exiled the right word from it, but it just feels like a, a hard door to get into. So it's really nice that you're finding people that really like just connect. It works. You're getting to tell stories. You're getting songs out there that actually can possibly reach someone else or actually just let them start that conversation. So anyone listening to this, like, just keep in mind, like, find those people, keep your head to the ground, like keep going forward. And the industry can, you know, kind of suck sometimes. But and two, we were talking about earlier with the BMI and PRS and like registering, like, it, if you know some of these stuff in the industry, and you're a little ahead of the game, really grabbing people that are a little below you and like helping people up. Like we got to start doing some stuff like that. Cause you're right. You're missing out on so many opportunities and you feel like everyone's ahead. I don't know why it's so secret sometimes. That's why I started the podcast too, honestly. Um, Cause I want, I want everyone to succeed because we're all going to get to the top and be there together. I kind of want to like everyone that's there. So <laughs> and know them, but yeah, I love that. So we're talking about the new songs. What's for the future for you. So obviously you're doing a song a week, What's like, you're talking about planning three months ahead. What's, what's the future? What's the future for you? Future for me. <laughs> what mm. do you want? Cause you know, like you said, mm. it might not say exactly equal out like that, but like in your mind, like what would be like, yeah, this is moving forward. Some things I'd like to do and explore. I'm a creative, like, it's so like, I've been involved in theater and film, you know, um, as well as music. So all round, I would love to be a creative director in general and just enjoy that, that, that world, you know, startup academies and, and companies that zone in on those things and understanding the business and, you know, making brands work, brands bloom, starting brands. Like I would love to be part of that, the marketing side of things, creative marketing. I, I feel that that's probably the future, but I do see myself producing a, and directing and acting in a few movies as well before, you know, probably before I turn 40 and then thereafter. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in terms of like, what's the future hold, man, I, I, I've always, I've never ever boxed myself. 
you know, I never ever been like, oh, this is it. Even in terms of music, I'm like, I can see that I'll probably be in the Billboard charts. I'll probably, I'll probably write a few number ones. I know that, but it's like, yeah. it's just, I know I have to do the, my due diligence and do the time and, and work my way to the point where I get the opportunity to be in the right room, in the right space, in the right mind frame, and also be prepared for it, you know, vocally, mentally, you know, even in terms of the pen. So me sketching all these songs out, someone would look at it and be like, yeah, he's going to end up writing the same thing. I want that to happen because then I know, okay, there's something there that I can fix and then I can unblock that and move on. You know, I can add more melodies. I can add more genres to my step. I can, I can become a better creative by simply exposing myself to more. And yeah, so the future, I know what I want from the future, mm-hmm. which is a lot, but it's, 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 it's there. You know, if you don't ask for a lot, I promise you, you're not going to get it. So it's better just to ask for it. And I think I'm telling you, I think it's going to happen. And you're so wildly talented. So I'm not worried about it. The last question I like to ask. So as I said, everyone listening is on different stages and different paths of their career. If you were just starting out now or could tell your younger self one piece of advice, whether that be music or just life advice, what would that advice be? Life advice. Uh, it's a big it's a question. It is a big <laughs> question, but it's quite small when you think about it, because um, you can apply this this idea to to anything you're doing. Do the necessary time, and don't be afraid to do it. You know, like put the work mm-hmm. in in the background. Like a lot of us want to jump to recording before we've even understood how to put a song together. You know, yeah. It's like a lot of us want to jump to being in the in the scene before we've understood what the scene consists of. It's like, do your research. Take your time and understand what it is that you're throwing yourself into. Um, as I said, I've been in theater for, I don't know how many years. I was in theater from five until 15, you know, and that's like 10 years of, nearly 10 years of theater. Um, and then I went on and I've been recording for over 10 years and I've been doing movies and stuff for over like six, seven years. But even in that, I'm, I know I'm still learning. So what I do is I, I make sure that every day I set aside time where I'm still doing my vocals, I'm looking up stuff online, how to get more streams, you know, like how does the play get, the playlist game work? What are NFTs? You know, like you're hearing a lot of this being thrown around and people are like, oh yeah, whatever. Like, how are you going to know what the, the next thing is in your in your industry if you're not studying it? Become a scholar of whatever it is you're going to go into. You don't need, with the day and age we live in, you don't need a school. If you wanted to become an accountant, to be honest with you, you could look everything up online. You know, a few tips I would give people now. Like, that's why I can't look back because when you look back, we didn't have what we have now. You know, there's yeah. no Google. Like, I couldn't go on Google. If you're on a Google, oh, I been, know. Yeah. What if that have been so much nicer and a couple things or just YouTube something? Because, like, that. My was gosh. Either. What? I can YouTube everything and it can tell me what to do with my life? Like, oh. Uh, I know. Like, I, I still remember typing stuff in, like, the internet must have come out in, in, in Zimbabwe when I was about, what's it been about eight or something. And I remember trying to search something and you'd have to, it had a dial tone because it was connected to your phone and yeah. you press it. And then it's like, and it's like taking like, 
I don't know, it would take like an hour to load a page. Yeah, so pretty much like everything's there. So looking at a younger me now, like in this day and age, yeah, dude, just say what you want from life and start researching, man. Like just spend, even if it's an hour a day on YouTube and on Google and just search as much as you can, you know, what, what does it like? You could type in recording. If you want to be a recording artist, you know, you could go and watch, if you want to produce, you could go and watch so many tutorials. It's just like, just, do the work and don't be afraid of it. You know, and when somebody says to you, oh, do you know how many people are doing that? Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of people doing it. But I'm going to do it and I'm going to add my thing because you're unique in your own way. Whatever it is you're going into, you're unique. You're an individual. There's no one made like you. Nobody with the same thought process. Nobody with the same passion. Nobody with the same um, understanding of whatever it is you're going to go into. Nobody has the same life experience as you. So go into the world and just understand that you can do anything you want to do. Just be prepared for the work that it takes to achieve what you want to achieve. Exactly. I feel so inspired right now. I love it. Uh, seriously, it's been such a fun conversation. I could literally just listen to you talk all day. Um, I want to remind everyone, so you can find Jerome everywhere. I'm going to put his YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, everything in the show notes. Like <laughs> what we say on the podcast, please go check all these stuff out. Subscribe, follow, like all the things. Make sure we support our artists and we support our community. So thank you so much. And seriously, guys, this was a great episode. I hope you take a lot from it and also take some of that for yourself as well. Thank you so much. One love. Peace. Thank you for joining us this week on the Enlightened Musician podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theenlightenedmusician.com, where you can subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll never miss an episode. Until next time, this is Lauren Light.